Good morning, church family. Good morning. Hey, listen, I, I love our family. I just really quickly want to say thank you to our entire team, our entire staff, all of our ministry leaders. Um, two weeks ago, my wife and I got a chance to get away for the weekend for the first time in about six or seven months, and we celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. So good. I was going to say something inappropriate, but I'm not going to. And then, uh, and then uh, last Saturday, um, I was uh, a little wrapped up uh, racing and uh, half Ironman in Oceanside, which was a ton of fun. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, and so just I, I appreciate the fact that we have such an amazing team. There's so many amazing teachers and preachers and different family members. So I just, I'm super, super appreciative of, of what God is doing in our community. We've been in a series called Sharing is Caring, haven't we? And we started out number one in the first week. We said, this is what the gospel is. I think that the truth is, is when a poll was done by Barna, uh, they found that most people, a majority, over 70%, can't actually tell you what the gospel is. Believers. We, we know this word gospel, and perhaps you're sitting here for the first time today, somebody invited you, or you're joining us on our online campus, and you, this word gospel is foreign to you. I, I would suggest just go back to week one on our YouTube and watch Sharing is Caring week one, and you're going to hear what the gospel is. It, and it's a beautiful story, the gospel is. It's amazing the power of this, of this thing called the gospel. And then week two, Haley just knocked it out of the park because she gave us such a clean, clear understanding of who God is. And it's his story. And I love that she said, you know, we're not sweeping God up into our story. We're being swept up into his. There's something profound about that statement. And then Julie last week just gave us this incredible depiction of what being a bridge loving people, and just being an invitation, inviting people. And here's what I know, though. I know that you can know what the gospel is. You can know who God is. You can be the bridge and invite somebody. And they can say yes. And they come and they sit with you, and they say yes to Jesus. And then, I don't know if you've experienced this, but everyone just high fives and lives life perfectly, you know, for the rest of eternity. That is not how it works, is it? Like, things don't go perfectly. And so I want you to know that today we're going to talk about the fact that sometimes things just don't go perfectly, and what do we do? Now, I want to encourage you to grab a card when you leave here, and I love it. It just says, come sit with me, that this is a personal invitation, that we're not inviting people to come to a building or to church even. You're inviting someone to come and sit with you to have a personal moment because you want to invite them to, you want to invite them to meet someone that has become personal to you named Jesus. So this is personal. And, and, and I, I, would, I would heavily encourage you just to have the courage. And some of you are like, oh, just have the courage. Just, just invite, just even if one person. Because it's so important. There's someone that needs to hear the story of Jesus and needs to meet this person, Jesus. Uh, this last Saturday, uh, I raced, and I'm not going to get a lot into the story of my race. That I'm going to save that for another time, but I'm going to touch on a few things because what I have found that uh, being a triathlete and, and racing and doing triathlons, I feel like the Holy Spirit speaks to me, like God speaks to me in the middle of all of this 
horrific pain. And, um, and uh, sometimes through the pain is where you find freedom. I mean, that's the story of the cross, right? So um, I, I think sometimes that God speaks to me so deeply. And so he spoke to me in the middle of the run. And, uh, and so let me give you just a, a little bit of context. I, I've been doing these half Ironman distances. They're 70.3 miles of effort um, at one time. And uh, the average person finishes that race in a little over six hours. Um, I will generally finish that race between four hours and 45 minutes and five hours, somewhere in there. Um, and, and, and I want to give you context. This is why I'm saying this. I, I don't have a personality that says I'm just going to do something for fun. Fun for me is winning. And so can anyone relate? My competitive people, you're in the house. Thank you. If we were in the schoolyard, I would pick you to be on my team because we know what the goal is. We understand the assignment. Okay. So, so, so here's the deal. I had been trying to qualify for the world championships. And the last time I raced was 2019. It was in December, and it was in La Quinta out in Palm Springs. And I missed qualifying for the world championships by one place. I was devastated. But at the same time, it told me something. It said, I, I really walked away and said, I have what it takes to qualify for the world championships. And sometimes you just need that. And then, and, and then, and then, and then three months later, and then the world shut down. And I haven't raced since the end of 2019. And, and I'll, I'll tell you what, I went through a lot of ups and downs. Life was not perfect and linear over those two years. Was it for you? No, okay, amen, we're together. Like, hey, regardless of our beliefs, we're on the same page. Life's got ups and downs, and it's got ups and downs. And so I, I am a little bit skeptical going into this race. I haven't raced in over two years, and I, I, I'm kind of, okay, I need to test my fitness. And I had been sick, and there's all these other things going on, and I'm not young, and I've got, you know, a family, and i got this new baby granddaughter, and I'm just like, she's the most amazing thing. I call her little champ. They said, what do you want to be called? And I said, I don't want to be called grandpa. Just call me champ. I want you to know something. I don't want her to call me champ because I think I'm a champ. I want her to call me champ so that she remembers that on her darkest day when she's suffering the most, she's having the hardest time, she has a grandfather that is her champion. And so I said, you just call me champ. So when I see her, I go, what's up, little champ? You know, and, and I, you know, I call myself champy. And um, trust me, our, our staff and the most of my family refuses to call me this. And I, I didn't have a really good on-ramp to this race, and I wasn't feeling very good, quite honestly. I slept for 45 minutes um, the night before I raced. Um, I hadn't slept very well for two days prior to that, which are the most important days of sleep. So when I took off to race in the swim, it's an ocean start. You're swimming through waves. I'm going to swim 1.2 miles. I'm just going to break this down for you. I'm going to swim 1.2 miles. I'm going to bike 56 miles. So that's from the Oceanside Harbor up to St. Clemente into the back part of Camp Pendleton, and you loop back. And then when you're done with all that fun stuff, uh, you're going to get off your bike, and you're going to run a half a marathon. And uh, I just don't have it in me to, to, like, not leave everything on the line. It's just something God's put in me. Um, I might question myself, and I, and I did. You see, what had happened was is that uh, 
I didn't have the perfect race. We're going to talk more about that. But I had the perfect ending. I finally qualified for the 70.3 World Championships. And I'm excited. We're going to go to St. George, Utah at the end of October. And there's already people that are like, we're getting Airbnbs. We're going to come with you. And I'm really nervous about this race. Um, I'm racing against the top 2% of males between the age of 45 and 49 in the entire world. And, uh, and, and I'm scared. <laughs> you know, there were some really unlovely moments of my race. Um, and I made some devastating mistakes during that race. It's a little bit like life, isn't it? But to finish well, it required me to keep telling myself, literally, do everything you can. I'm running and talking to myself. You'd think I was a crazy man, uh, which I am. And I was telling myself this mantra, like, do everything that you can with the resources you have at this specific moment. You have to push everything else out. You just have to really focus on the champion the moment. Too oftentimes we champion the finish line. You need to champion the moment. Can I get an amen? amen? So many of us, you know, maybe live with the expectation that everything is going to go perfectly to arrive at a perfect ending. I know I do in my life. I'm really hard on my, I'm my hardest critic. Can you relate? I don't need people to tell me how much I suck. Listen, I'm just, I'm going to be real. I, I, have, I have an editor in my head already telling me this. But when you think you have to perform perfectly to arrive at a perfect ending, this is called perfectionism. And really what we need to do is be pursuing excellence, not perfection. You see... If we fall into the trap of perfectionism, we're going to continue to feel defeated and hopeless. And at the end of the day, we're going to just quit. But probably more directly or worse, though, we hold other people to the same standard. So what happens when we make that invite and we share God with somebody and they come and they sit with you and they say yes to Jesus and their life doesn't look lovely and they go through some ups and downs? What does continuing to care for them look like? Today I'm going to reveal how perfectionism, I really want to dismantle this. Because I feel like this is what society, uh, this is what society, it's prevalent. Whether or not you know it or not, you are feeling the weight of performing perfectly as a husband, as a wife, as a business person, as a friend, as a child, as a sibling, as a person of faith, as a child of God. We feel this weight. Society backs this up. Society will dig 15 years into your Twitter and find where you weren't perfect and cancel you. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Society says, give me grace, but in return, I will just, I will just pour guilt on you. And that is not the gospel. And so today we're going to talk about 
And I'm going to reveal how perfectionism lies, how it accuses, and how it condemns, and how it keeps us from pursuing excellence, and ultimately helping others do the same. Because again, my granddaughter is going to call me champ. Why? Because I want to help her pursue what? Excellence. She's going to make mistakes. Her champ of a grandfather is. And it's okay. There's a story. I love this story. A real life story of Jesus meeting this woman. And this woman was caught in adultery in John 8. In verse 1 it says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and he taught them. I mean this is like church. Okay. Crowd. Okay. There's teaching going on. We're talking about Jesus. And as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. I want to tell you something that in life, for us to really champion one another, we need to act less like a crowd and we really need to act more like a community. See, a crowd might inspire you and might even have some influence, but a community actually brings impact. Why? You've heard me say this. Because a community is where you find investment, okay? And you can change and impact what you're invested in. And too many times in life, we want to stand on the outside and voice opinions. We want to bring influence to something that we're not invested in. Somebody needs to write that down. Listen, I want you to understand something. We're really good at trying to change things that we have no investment in. The crowd was not invested in this woman's life. But they got one thing right. They brought her to who? Jesus. In verse 4, it's this teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? The law of Moses. The law of Moses, just really quickly, is, is that before Jesus came and died on the cross, this is what we're going to celebrate next week. This is what's coming. This is the bright future ahead of us that we give the grace of God in our lives, and, and, and his name is Jesus Christ. Before that happened, the law of Moses was given, and what does that mean? It was that man was trying to follow every single order perfectly perfect perfect thinking perfect actions in perfect order perfectly all the time she's failed at being perfect they say what do you say jesus they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. I, I, love, I love this story so much. They kept demanding an answer. Do you know that perfectionism always has a demand? So he stood up again and said, all right. <laughs> all right. Let one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and he began to write in the dust. You know, the scripture doesn't say what he was writing in the dust. I can only guess based on what happens next. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. I think this is fascinating. It says it begins with the oldest. I think the older you are, the more you forget. The longer, the older you are in your faith, the older you are in life, 
You forget sometimes what it means to learn. Like we forget that at one point we were laying flopping on the ground, pooping and peeing on ourselves. And then we started the like the, the scoot, you know what the scoot, you know? And then, and then you kind of get the crawl, but before you crawl, you get up on, you get the rock. The baby's got that rock going. And then they, and then they start to crawl and they fall on their face. And then, and then they stand and they're kind of wobbly and they do, the, they do the drunken baby man walk, you know? They're like... You know, okay, are you with me? But you and I get up in the morning and we're like, boom, and we forget what it's like to fall on our face. See, it says that beginning with the oldest, they began to leave. Maybe it was the oldest that were reminded the most of a lifetime of unlovely things and mistakes that they had made. Be careful, mature Christians. You know, I just, I prayed with that person, led him to Jesus, and now just look at him. Just look at him. <laughs> you mean they fell? <laughs> That's what babies do. They're getting their spiritual legs. You're praying for a birth, but the birthing room is never clean. Then Jesus stood up again. He said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. So go and sin no more. Now that's a heavy task because it sounds a little bit like Jesus is unhinging her from perfectionism just to hang her back on the hook of it. It's not possible for you and I to go and sin no more. But listen, listen to what he's saying. Jesus loves this woman enough that he gives her a solution. He says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. What's the solution? If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. You know, Jesus never says, if you follow me, you'll never make a mistake again. He's just saying when you trip and fall, you're going to have light there to show you what it was you tripped and fell over. You're going to pursue excellence by following Jesus, but it's not going to be perfect. Let's talk about perfectionism's lie. Let me define perfectionism for us really quickly. I'm going to fire through some of these. Perfectionism is a pride or fear-based compulsion that either fuels an obsessive fixation on doing something perfectly or paralyzes you from acting at all. Let me say that again. Perfectionism is a pride or fear-based compulsion that either fuels an obsessive fixation on doing something perfectly or it paralyzes you from acting at all. Perfectionism places the demand of always thinking and acting, quote unquote, right on the person with zero room for mistakes. That's perfectionism. So when they come to him and they say, teacher, this woman who's caught in adultery, the law of Moses says to stone her, what are they saying? They're saying, we're perfectionists. We need you to come into agreement with us as perfectionists. And if you don't agree with us and answer perfectly and you're not thinking perfectly, we're going to use this so that we can hold you accountable and kill you. 
But let's talk about pursuing excellence. This is how I define pursuing excellence. And there's a fine line. Uh, I, think, I think these really get muddled sometimes. Pursuing excellence is persistent determination to do something as well as possible within a given set of talents, resources, and time limits. You want me to say that again? It's persistent determination to do something as well as possible within a given set of talents, resources, and time limits. See, perfectionism requires perfection. Pursuing excellence requires persistence. Let me say this another way. Perfectionism values flawlessness. Pursuing excellence values faithfulness. When things don't go right, perfectionism says quit. When things don't go right, pursuing excellence says don't quit. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to keep showing up. Okay? Now here's, here, here's, here's a snippet. The gun goes off. I'm at the very front of the pack when I race. Some of the fastest swim times. And, I, and it's good because there's like 3,000 people behind me that I don't want to have to swim with. It's a very physical part of the race. You're getting punched and kicked. You're swallowing water. Waves are breaking. You can't see. Your heart rate's high. Your nerves are there. There's a lot going on. I've trained and I've practiced. I've done this so many times. I grew up surfing my entire life at an elite level. I'm comfortable in the ocean. The first two minutes into the swim, I hyperventilate. Hyperventilation in the ocean, while all of this is going on, the best way to describe it is it's the most claustrophobic, fear and panic-induced feeling I could ever describe to you. I want out of the water. I want out of the water now. I can't get my breath. I sit up in the water, two minutes in, I sit up in the water, and the first thing that I think is, you didn't perform perfectly today. Your day's over. You've let everyone down. Your nutritionists, your coaches, your family, everyone here that's here to support you. All of the hard work, it's for naught. You're not gonna qualify for the world championships because you didn't perform perfectly. Now, obviously, I had to reconcile that thought, <laughs> which I did, and I got on with my race. See, I can be persistent in my pursuit of excellence. I, I can be faithful, but I will never be perfect. Like, I'm never going to arrive. Do you know that you're never going to arrive? I just want to remind you this is the sort of thing in my life that reminds me of it. Why? In Romans 3.23, everyone does what? Everyone falls short. Everyone has sinned, has fallen short of what? God's glorious standard. There is a standard that God has placed into creation that you and I are always going to fall short of. Why? We're human. But that means other people are going to fall short of it. I can't just like, oh, I feel really good about letting myself off the hook. But you, you're screwed. Right? All right, real talk. So persistently pursuing excellence says, I have not arrived, but I'm exhausting every resource that there is until I do arrive at the finish line. 
And my finish line, if you go back to week one, is I want to stand before Jesus. I want to hear him say this. I know you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Pursue excellence. Be persistent. That's the faithful thing you can do. You don't quit when things don't go perfectly. Number two, perfectionism accuses. Jesus looks up again and he says to this woman, he says, where are your accusers? This word accuser is fascinating. When I looked it up, I didn't really think about it. And then I was like, God, and for some reason, I just felt like the Holy Spirit highlighted this word. And I was like, man, what is it about accusation? So I looked it up and literally there is no other definition when you look up the Greek. There's no other way to describe this word except this. This blew my mind. A lot of times Greek words have multiple applications. It had one. It was a short list. Listen to what it was. It's the name given to the devil by the Pharisees. It's the accuser is a prosecutor in a trial that says you're guilty until proven innocent. Isn't that what perfectionism does? There's this editor in my head like, Pat, you suck until you prove otherwise. Right? I'm saying a lot of other things to myself that I can't say from stage in the middle of these things. Look at I'm just a dude. I'm not the hero. I want you to know something. I'm not, a, I'm not the hero in the story. I'm telling you about the hero in the story. His name is Jesus. So what is Jesus saying to this woman? He's saying, he goes, hey, where are your devils? When you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not that your problems go away. It's just that your devils don't have authority anymore. So you know what? You're going to have some issues. The person that you're loving and you're like, hey, I want you to know Jesus, they're going to have some issues. About seven miles into the run, 13.1 miles of a half marathon, I met my devils head on. I was suffering. I will tell you, I have never suffered so much on any run ever, ever. The pain, I cannot describe to you. No matter how hard I tried to run, no matter how hard you try to be perfect, no matter how hard I tried to run, I just couldn't run fast enough. No matter how hard you try to be perfect because there's this accuser in the back of your head or, or, or maybe you feel like that you, you, you need to remind that person of what they're doing wrong. You know, you said yes to Jesus. Now, what the heck are you doing, dude? You're seven miles in. You should have this down by now. You're not at mile one. You're at mile seven. You should be perfect. These voices start accusing you. This is what you did wrong. Look at all the mistakes. You said yes to Jesus. You said yes to this stupid triathlon. Now look, now look where you're at. You said yes to Jesus. Now look, everything isn't perfect. Jesus says, where are your devils? Sometimes, this is sad, sometimes, I think partnerships are made with the devil 
when we become accusers of those who are not performing perfectly. Sometimes, in the middle of our race called life, when we don't need more accusation, we're the hardest on ourselves and we become a partner. Sometimes, when that person who you said, come sit with me, and maybe you're sitting here this morning or joining us on our online campus and I want you to know something, I'm not here to bring accusation. I'm here to bring a solution for you. There is a God who sent his son Jesus. His son Jesus has the authority to look at you and say, when you are on my team, when you're with me, when you're running a race, follow, when, you, when, when you and I got this together, let me ask you something. There could be a crowd I still have. Keep in mind, the Pharisees left. This woman was still in the crowd. You might be in, you, you still might be in the middle of a crowd and Jesus looks at you and he says, where are your devils now? Where are your accusers? And I love this because in Revelations 12, 10, it says, then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It's like, imagine like the heavens, like huge. It's like, hey, over there on the other side of heaven. That's, okay, anyway. <laughs> Apparently, I, I was only amused by that. Um, I, this, anyway, um, then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last. What has? Listen, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Check this out. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters. Who's he talking about? The devil. For the accuser, the devil of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses our, them, our brothers and sisters, before God day and night. Let me tell you something. We don't need to offer the devil any more help. This scripture tells me that 24-7, he is on duty, he is on assignment as your accuser and as my accuser. When we say, come sit with me, I want to introduce you to Jesus. We can't then partner with the devil in his 24-7, 365 business. Now let me accuse you of all the things you're doing wrong. Can I tell you something? Sometimes we do it because we think when mistakes are made, we're gonna diminish the power of the gospel. Let me say it, let me say it this way. Your mistakes and the mistakes of the people that are growing in their relationship with Jesus can never diminish the power of the gospel. Because the gospel is not our story. It's his. We don't have to be afraid of it. We don't have to live life in churches and in buildings where we go, hey, listen, you need, you know, um, Julie last week was like, just talk about being messy, messy. Like, hey, let me tell you something. 
if I'm a mess when I meet Jesus, that means there's going to be some cleaning. Right? Lots of spiritual fecal matter. Bro, I just don't have a filter today. I just can't. I'm just going to be real with you. You're lucky you got that spiritual fecal matter. The devil has made perfectionism so easy to succumb to because it keeps us focused on accusation rather than our salvation. Can we say that again? <laughs> Lindsay gave me the like. <laughs> the devil has made perfectionism easy to succumb to to keep us focused on accusation rather than our salvation. Perfectionism attacks with accusation, but pursuing excellence advances with salvation. Lastly, perfectionism condemns. Right after he says, where are your accusers? He says, didn't even one of them condemn you? This word condemn means to bring final judgment. It doesn't mean like, hey, I think there's something wrong. It's like, Bobby, you're wrong. Guilty until proven innocent. There's the guillotine, final judgment, no grace, no hope, can't make mistakes. You're done, bro. And that's not, and, 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 when, and when you met Jesus, Bobby, he broke that with such swiftness. And when I watch you, you walk in freedom. You walk in the freedom of your salvation. And you don't walk underneath condemnation. And you champion other people to live like Jesus has given you the ability to live and it burns in your heart and you have a passion for it. And I want to be your champion in that. Don't back off and don't quit. Don't believe the lies. Don't believe the accusations. Final judgment has not been passed. You hear my heart. tells the woman, I haven't brought final judgment on you. I haven't done that yet. That bell hasn't sounded. That jail cell hasn't slammed shut. I haven't done this. So go and be persistent in your pursuit of excellence. Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, this is Paul speaking. Paul is struggling with these things in his life that he's not perfect about. Can you relate? And this is, this is, this is what Paul says. My grace, but he said to me, the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect. You want perfection. You're going to find it in your weakness. It says that my power is made perfect in your what? Weakness. So I embrace my weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Jesus didn't come to condemn, so neither should I. 
Jesus sees everything unlovely about humanity, yet he still shows up. The tension of coming to Jesus. Listen, the tension of coming to Jesus is in the tension of becoming like Jesus. You and I are on a path of progress in our life and it's gonna be a little bit up and down and unlovely at times, isn't it? Some of you need to hear this message today. Some of us need to continue to champion this in other people's lives. This is what we're called to. Loving someone requires seeing what is unlovely about them and pursuing them anyway. I'm thankful for my family loving me, all the imperfections they see. I'm thankful for people around me, a community around me. This doesn't mean that we aren't, remember, we're pursuing excellence. We're not living in our brokenness. Why don't you guys stand with me today? When you understand that you're in the process of pursuing excellence, you can stand with others in their process of pursuing excellence. Procrastination lies and it accuses and it condemns Pursuing excellence clears the path for progress. Here's my encouragement to you. The wheels absolutely fell off on my race. I was so disappointed by the mistakes that I had made. I thought, man, Pat, you just don't have the strength. Getting too old. It's all these things, right? A lot more than that being said to myself. And Pastor Jeff reminded me, he said, man, this is such a beautiful story because it's the story of God's grace moving powerfully in your weakest moment. When I thought I hadn't done enough, the day I sat next to my wife Chandra she looked at me and she said honey I think you did enough I think you performed well enough to qualify for the world championships I don't think I did and they called my name listen I'm not the hero let's close our eyes not the hero. There is a God who wants to take your worst of days, your most unlovely moments. He wants to blow your mind on the days that you think you didn't perform well enough. You didn't do a good enough job. He wants to take the days that the people that you're loving don't perform well enough that you're sharing Jesus with. 
He wants to blow our minds by continuing to pursue us and love us and smooth over and show just such a tremendous hand of grace in our lives to say, you know what? Here's the reality. Here's what I learned. I'm never going to be good enough. It's because of Jesus Christ in my life that I have been made perfect in him. And I am now pursuing a life of excellence where I'm being made perfect. Are you with me? That Jesus Christ can perfect your life today and set you on a path of progress and it's going to be a little bit messy and there's going to be ups and downs and it's going to look unlovely at times but he's perfecting you today that every time you get up in the morning and you run your race called life you're you're taking the opportunity to say God make me more like you show me more of your loveliness show me more of your grace show me more of your goodness show me more of what the world wants to say i don't add up i'm not good enough i'm broken you're just a dirty kid from oceanside that should have been left in the gutter you should have been left where you laid you should have been left for dead and instead there is a god who decided to champion humanity. God wants to champion you today. He wants you to become a champion of others. He wants you to live the testimony of my dear friend Bobby. He wants you to live a testimony of faithfulness that says, hey, everyone else has given up on you, friend. I ain't given up on you. Everyone else said that you're out of the race. You need to quit. I don't have any quit. God didn't quit on me. I ain't quitting on you. I don't have quit in me. I will die. I was running, and this is what I said to myself, one mile left in the race, and I said this to myself. I could see the finish line. I could see my family. I could see their faces. I could hear their voices, and I began saying to myself this mantra, you can do anything one time. Have you ever heard that before from me? You can do anything one time. There are people suffering, but whoever suffers most is going to get the world championship bid. And I begin thinking about my family. I said, I'm coming home for you. Sometimes I, I get this picture of Jesus in my face and I go, I go, God, I am struggling right now to be that Christian guy everyone thinks I should be. And Jesus, I just want to see you face to face. I'm coming home for you. I'm going to see you soon. I just want to touch your face. I just want to know your presence. I just want to be where you're at. an amazing hero, isn't he? Who needs perfectionism broken off of their life right now? Because I don't, raise your hand. If you haven't picked up on my personality yet, like we're going to deal with this right now. If you need perfectionism broken off, I want you to come forward. You're afraid to come forward if you, if you need perfect, because you're like, well, what if I don't look right? Just come on. It's okay. This is normal, by the way. If, if you're new here, like, we're serious about being a community. Getting out of the crowd, getting into community. We need to break, we need to break this off. I don't want to give the enemy any help. I can't leave you sitting in your seat. If you feel comfortable doing so, just open your hands up. 
Father, right now, I just pray in the name of Jesus, there's an authority given in your, in your son Jesus' name, and there's a power given by the Holy Spirit. So God, I just say right now in the name of Jesus that, that any spirit of perfectionism, anything where there's lies and accusation and condemnation, it would be broken off in the name of Jesus right now. That whatever it is, whatever the trip-ups, whatever the ups and downs, whatever the struggles, whatever the unlovely things, God, that those things have been covered and that you're, you're, you're actually telling us, pick your head up. Pick your head up and just pursue me with excellence. Pick your head up and just, just run your race. Pick your head up. Lord, protect minds, protect dreams. When the enemy wants to speak, Lord, we just pray against those things. We just break those things right now. We are not who the enemy says we are. You are not who the enemy says you are. All of the striving, all of the striving can cease. All of the striving. Father, I thank you that today we get the opportunity to say yes to you, to say no to perfectionism, to say I'm going to pursue you. I'm just going to do what I can with what's been given to me. And God, you're so pleased when we do that. There's so much pleasure that you get when we just run well, faithful, persistent, pursuing excellence. accusation and condemnation today. Now as we go out of here, some of you are going to continue to get prayer. That's cool. As we go out of here, I want us to remember something. There is someone that needs to hear the story of a bright future because of Jesus Christ. Invite them. Say, come sit with me. Invite them to Easter. Invite them to Good Friday. It's personal. Come sit with me not inviting them to church. You're inviting them into a relationship with the real hero of the story. So Father, we thank you today. In Jesus' powerful name.